This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Alex LeConte of Seven Veils. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up to date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers a chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Actually, our property of the week this week is a reminder that we always have some private listings available in addition to what you see on our website and in our newsletters. Right now, we have a campsite, dating sites, and pay sites available. We often have other types of sites as well. In these cases, the owner of the site is usually expressing the utmost care to make sure that the identity of their site or company doesn't get out for a variety of reasons. These are also generally larger listings with big revenues. If you're interested in finding out more about our private listings, please complete our buyer's NDA on our website and contact us to see if you qualify. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Alex LeConte, director of one of the industry's preeminent social media company, Seven Veils. Alex, thanks for being back with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. You're so quiet. Alex, he, he previously worked in the traffic world prior to joining Seven Veils. That one makes Seven Veils unique as they recognize how the needs of adult entertainment social marketing differs from mainstream, and they create successful marketing strategies that work with adult entertainment to create deliverable results and long-term success on social networks. Both the company and Alex have won multiple awards. Lauren McEwen founded the company in 2010 with just herself as a one-woman company, and a couple of years later named Alex as director. The company has grown to a large group of social media experts. Through statistical analysis of your social marketing campaign, they create a social media strategy that bursts through the ceiling of diminishing returns. It's responsive to your growth patterns and predictive of overall social media trends. They ensure that their engagement marketing and analytics work cohesively to create an unbeatable social media presence. So how'd you like your commercial? I love it. <laughs> I, should, I should broadcast it at the, at the shows. <laughs> I'll let you. <laughs> Thank okay. you. <laughs> so Alex... How is our friend Lauren doing, and what is she doing? Oh, she's doing she's doing great. Uh, you know, so you, you know Lauren. 
uh, mm-hmm. very well. Uh, she's fascinating. So yeah, she. We went through the pandemic. You know, everybody had a hard time, but she really took advantage sure. of that to to read a lot of books and cultivate and you know self growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm such a fan of her. <laughs> she's doing well, thank you. Missing the shows. Yeah, we're missing her. She was always. She always lit up those shows. Oh yeah, she is. She's amazing. She is that indeed. So what's the state of social media marketing today for adult businesses? Oh, um, the technical word is uh, fucked up. It's all fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still very profitable and it's actually really powerful. You know, I was reading, uh, I was very happy to see that because we've been saying this for years and uh, now the proofs are coming. Uh, I was reading a report from Examster's data. Mm-hmm. analyze and insights and they were saying that for example for content creators like only fans and stuff for the models the top one source of traffic is uh by 41 percent social media so mm. it is clearly it's, it's chaotic it's really the pandemic mm-hmm. really hurt in a certain way social media platforms um it, it's more crowded than ever the, the messages yes. are really chaotic you know there is a lot of information a lot of noise and, and parasites, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. robots and stuff. But uh, the power is there. It's clearly the place to be. So mm-hmm. it is still very profitable. How has the pandemic changed social media marketing? We've identified two main aspects that we are presenting as a big change from uh, as a consequence from the pandemic. So first of all, it's, as I was saying, very crowded. So now a lot of people are using social media even more than before. Um, they are they are really using it massively, or they want to entertain themselves or to educate themselves, which is really questionable to use social media to get uh, education. But uh, they are yeah, so they are tweeting a lot, posting a lot, sharing a lot, and commenting a lot, mm-hmm. giving a lot of opinions, sometimes even un- unnecessary. Uh, so it, it, this all create uh, this all create uh, a huge amount of data to analyze and to process, but even mm-hmm. you know a kind of visual pollution. So a lot of messages. It's really harder for companies to make their message go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that we've identified is that uh, the meaning is different. You know, we've always. Mm-hmm suggested to our client to avoid controversial like religion and political and stuff. But because of the pandemic, we saw that it is also important to make a statement and to take a position uh, on social media, not mm-hmm. necessarily to be controversial, but at least, you know, to, to, to make things clear. Yeah, to be human. Yeah, <laughs> be social, be human. There's a lot of people who are a little uh, little less than that on social media. And that, that gets to my next question. Now, I know you work primarily with Twitter. How yes. hard is it for a message to break through with all the garbage and all the fighting that's going on over there? It's very hard. We, we, we work with all the platforms. Uh, we do. I love Twitter in, in a way that it's uh, one of the most adult-friendly. So, of course, for our business, it's um, the, the ROI is really significant on Twitter and it's also mm-hmm. the balance between, you know, the, the time investment and for the client, because it's very slow to, to get uh, a social marketing uh, campaign applied. So of course on Twitter, they mm-hmm. can see a little bit more thanks to the, the data and the, the, the reports that we can pull out. So that's why I really like to work with Twitter as a main source. 
as a primary source. So yeah, it's uh, it has become very confusing to for the companies to to get their message delivered. And I always have this image of the movie, you know, Sister Act, where the <laughs> the girl is saying uh, she's making an analogy between between a bar and uh, the, the the concert they're giving and. She said, it's like you're in, a, you're in a bar and everybody's talking, everybody's asking for the check, you know, making noise and stuff. And you're at the opposite and you need to get somebody hearing you. So that's mm -hmm. exactly the way you need to make, to get your voice louder. But of course, we were talking about platforms where you will post video, pictures and text. So how can you make your voice louder? First of all, you need to clean the way. So for this, you need to make sure that <laughs> your message will be delivered. And for this, yeah. it's the old techniques of SEO. We don't work mm -hmm. with search engine optimization for, for, for Google, but we do apply the techniques uh, based on the algorithms analysis that we run uh, for Twitter and all the other social media platforms. So first of all, you clean the way, making sure that you create a sort of a map of, um, of the situation. And so mm -hmm. you can get your message delivered in a, in, a, in a proper way. But then, of course, this is the, the pure information. Uh, and then you have to work on the packaging so your message is open. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it reached the target, it reaches the target, and then you need to gain trust. So you have to, to put your message, to codify your message in a certain way that it will uh, make through this crowd and, and reach your target, but then that it will be appealing enough so this person is opening your message and receiving your message. Interesting. And, and with Twitter being that crowded, are there any other challenges? Yes, it's always very hard to, um, well, all in all, in all social media, it's very hard because they are privately owned. So it is hard to rely a sustainable strategy because you never know what's going to happen if they decide to get rid of adults, which uh, mm. th there is nothing pointing to this direction right now for Twitter, uh, which is great. Mm -hmm. They've been really friendly Thank with our businesses. Yeah, yeah. That would, that's, that's great. Um, so this is a big challenge for social media because it's privately owned. So you need to always be, you know, aware of the rules and the, the terms of condition. So if they have clear statements about what they consider appropriate or not, it's okay. But in some cases, like Instagram, it's very, very hard to, uh, to define if the, cont is a, if the piece of content will be offensive for some people, conservative probably, <laughs> at Instagram. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's the big challenge. I think some things will offend anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big issue, you know, and that's something that we, I've recently written something about um, how dealing with our industry, it changes us, it affects us. You know, my, my big passion yeah. in life is psychology. Uh, right. especially neuro and behavioral and and for of course working in this industry for for example I'm, i've been in this industry for 12 years and it changes Jeez. impacts oneself you know very very hard and so sometimes it's true that our limits are a little bit changed something oh, that definitely. we you know we are talking sometimes and we don't see that we are saying things that people might consider inappropriate and for us, it's normal. We were just talking, you know, about double penetration or bukake. It's bukake, bukake, bukake. Right? It's, it's just, yeah, a fetish. You know, you've, you, you said you've been in the industry 12 years. I've known you every one of those years. <laughs> How do you feel the industry has changed you? Oh, <laughs> that's an awful <laughs> question. Thanks for asking. Uh, my therapist would be so happy. 
It did change it. me a lot. Um, you know, at the beginning, I didn't want to come to, to, to join this industry uh, because mm. I was I, I thought I was open mind. Um, but uh, so it's a long talk that I had with with my with my ex-wife about mm-hmm. uh, if back then I was still married and I Mm-hmm. It was a big jump, you know, getting to work with porn, even if back then I started with traffic. So I wasn't dealing with content creation. Oh, is, or is, is that why she's in, by the way, is that why she's an ex-wife? No. <laughs> <laughs> so she, so yeah, it was a big decision, you know, to, to take a job uh, in the industry. And uh, I actually, I thought I was open mind, but I discovered that I was um, judging especially on the fetish side, you know, I had some meetings mm. and it was hilarious. I was lucky enough to have this amazing co-worker back then when I started, uh, Anne, mm-hmm. uh, the French Anne, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that she's running so many shows. She's really an amazing person too. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like Lauren, they are the kind of people that I really admire for this energy they have and this patience yes. and this humanity. And so she she was next to me at the office and she, it was hilarious because she was showing me content but she wasn't making fun of it. She was more trying to, to, to educate me on, you see, so this is mm-hmm. like a food fetish or whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And so indirectly, <laughs> she and the, and the industry taught me how to, to accept all this diversity and, and, and not to judge anyone and make everyone comfortable. I had some meetings with clients back then that were hilarious because I felt like I was dying inside when the person was explaining the artistic project they had but some (laughs) projects were really creative and really different from the usual common fetishes so it was it it was an experience really significant and meaningful (laughs) so this changed me a lot it it really you know broke my barriers and it's i'm very thankful for that yeah i think all of us when we come from mainstream it's we start out with our eyes bugging out, and now we just shrug our shoulders. Yeah, you, you know how I feel about that when I hear, and it happens because we see that at the shows there are more and more mainstream people. Yes, so, and, and I'm I'm sorry, it's not about I don't want to offend anyone. It's it's not about being offensive. It's just that for me, the the way I see it and the way I receive it is like having kids around, and, and I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. It's just that. You know how, no. and I'm going to take the typical example of straight men. They are always such an interesting case for me <laughs> uh, <laughs> about, you know, seeing somebody like if you see a, a woman without a bra, it's, oh, tits, tits, tits. Yeah, yeah, yeah baby, that's, that's, tits. that's, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's body, human body is beautiful. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's interesting, yes. you know, this, this energy and this excitement that they have <laughs> for something that is kind of, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So okay. Yeah. So she so she took her so she took her blouse off or she raised her blouse up to show her tits for a photographer. You know, it's just like you get so used to it, you, you don't even blink. Yes, and you appreciate it in a different way. Like for example, for me, I'm oh, I appreciate the way you know all all the models are empowered by their body and and transcendent in some way. I mean, maybe yeah. it's too philosophical, but certainly at a, at a some level. They are very empowered, and I admire that yeah. so much, you know. And some sure. conversation, or even about my past and everything, when some people are talking, I'm talking to people out of the industry, and they're, oh wow, they are very judgmental. They are, and and even hypocritical most of the time, which is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, hypocrisy is unfortunate, and it's uh, it's everywhere. So with so many platforms doing bans, and you kind of alluded to this, where can you actually market an adult company where there won't be any issues? Everywhere. <laughs> That's an awesome question. Uh, thanks for hmm. asking, because we've had sure. uh, this talk with actually with Lauren two days ago. We were uh, preparing a piece of content for our uh, Seven Veil social media channels and uh you can actually work with each, each platform you know um mm -hmm. it's it's all about the branding and all about the positioning of your brand you, you just need to adapt of course the the, the goal mm -hmm. behind is going to be different if you want to generate for example uh if you want to generate traffic out of uh, an instagram campaign when i'm saying campaign i'm talking about seven veils campaign so it's different from right. what uh great companies like uh dan uh, you know, German Dan. I never, I'm, I feel terrible. I can't pronounce his last name, <laughs> but he is a legit authority in social media marketing. He is going to a lot yep. of shows and he is doing a lot of cloaking and very interesting work, you know, based on mm -hmm. redirection and stuff. It's, he's brilliant. And, and Jason Hunt with all the yep. Facebook campaigns, you know, the, he was, yeah, he was on, he's been on my show twice. Yeah. Yeah. No surprise. He's very interesting. I love to, to listen to what he has to say. Uh, mm -hmm. And so um, it's very interesting because they have, these two c companies are doing social media, but on a different aspect on what we are doing. So when I'm saying Seven Bills campaigns, it's all about organic and uh, mm -hmm. community management and, and really based on human interactions, you know. So uh, it is possible to work with a lot of platforms. But for example, on Instagram, you cannot announce porn. So mm -hmm. it's, it would be more recommended to work on the lifestyle stuff. Or if you have fetish, mm -hmm. for example, super easy example, mm -hmm. I, um, for a food fetish client of mine, not of Seven Bells, uh, I've just posted some, so I'm, I'm a fighter, uh, martial arts since I'm a kid. And mm -hmm. it's funny because we did a photo shoot session at, in my private life, uh, when we were at the dojo and, and then I just posted the pictures. Uh, for one of the clients because he has a foot fetish and I'm barefoot fighting. So, sure. you know, you can use something from uh, a different element that when you look at it on social media, it doesn't look sexual. It doesn't mm -hmm. look like a fetish. It doesn't look like something provocative or something made to, 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 to excite someone. But sure. because of the, uh, of the element itself, you can just kind of twist it and, and, and use the platform to your advantage. I don't know if I make myself clear. But it's all about recoding mm -hmm. your uh, your content and be creative around it. You know, to to just find a way to make it compliant with the platform you're using, but still right. promoting your business in a very discreet way. But you know, I I hear people say, "Well, I did this, 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 and this, and I got banned, and I don't understand." There's yes. a lot of that going on, isn't there? Oh yeah. All, all the time <laughs> and most of the time i'm sorry to say that but most of the time is because people are not rigorous i'm not saying that if they do everything in the state of the art they will be safe because again these platforms are privately owned so yeah you cannot we have to play by their rules and even though they can right. even break the rules uh the, the platform itself and it's totally unfair especially yes. instagram it's really yes. annoying sometimes uh, mm -hmm. But most of the time, what we have identified, most of the models, we tell them that they cannot post any nudity on Instagram and they still put their uh, butt 
<laughs> and I'm sorry to let everyone know that even if you are uh, naked but is on Instagram, well, it's still considered as nudity. So, <laughs> see, it's a problem. Then you also it's have still the, a but, the yes. <laughs> right? But it, that, again, that's the limit about our industry because for us, if we see someone butt naked, it's going to be, okay, yeah. And, and we don't, sometimes we don't see the, the, the problem with it. And of course, we are dealing with platforms that are very conservative. So if we do that, right. they are shocked because, oh my God, a butt, nobody has a butt. Never saw an ass <laughs> in his life. You know? it's, it's really unfair and it makes you feel bad. You know, sometimes yes. you just post a beautiful picture, you're a beautiful woman and you're in a bikini and uh, using a thong and and very glamorous you know like vixen style very beautiful yep and then instagram makes you feel bad about yourself because you're using uh, something too sexy for that so yeah it's uh it's a problem but then also the behavior mm -hmm. the behavior is such an issue right right yeah i got banned from facebook for a month for wishing a friend happy birthday that's very hard to understand why they uh, two weeks ago, they <laughs> sent me a notification that I was um, violating the rule for bullying because I just comment uh, a comment that I made was EW, e -W, and they found yep. it offensive. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Mr. Mr. and Mrs. AI didn't like it. <laughs> Probably. I mean, and isn't all this stuff pretty much being run by machines now? Yes, uh, the first level of check is by the algorithm. So it's all about, right. you know, it's a very powerful tool that they've developed. Of course, they have a lot of resources, human brains and, and finances. So they, they developed uh, their algorithm is just, you know, when you're posting a picture, they're analyzing if there is any nudity, offense, blood, this kind of harmful behaviors based on their guidelines. Mm -hmm. um, and then if it requires a, man, uh, a manual check, it goes to a tier two where they evaluate if the post is, is um, bad or harmful <laughs> or disrespectful. But you have to challenge it. Yes. And it's, um, <laughs> again, not to get too ph philosophical about that, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's complicated because appropriate or not, it's a very subjective notion that depends on people. So if somebody, and even of the mood, you know, it's just like a judge. Uh, you, you're coming at work, you're tired. If somebody is just pissing you off, maybe your patience will be reduced. So when you're analyzing <laughs> posts and you discover, oh, this girl is too sexy. Oh, yeah, bam. And sometimes yeah. you're just in a good mood and, oh, yeah, she's sexy, but it's fine. She's cute. And you just let it go. So it's it's unfair. <sighs> yeah, it's very, it's, it's very unfair. And any time you've got, you can, it, it can depend on people's moods yes. and it influences people's businesses. That's, you know, that's just not right. But see, Bruce, that's exactly the point. That's why it's such a problem, because we are talking about something social and human, mm -hmm. but we are using it for business. And that's the yeah. one of the biggest challenge that I've seen over the years at Seven Veils, that we need to, to work with a mix of it, because we want to do business, but we need to keep it social. So that's right. a very, very hard thing to, to work with, but it's also why it's so interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm sure it's very interesting on a daily basis. So I, I notice a lot more influencer marketing now. Just how valuable is that? It is very valuable. Uh, it's also very annoying to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I would love to hear from somebody, but to be somebody to be honest about that, if they really enjoy working with influencer marketing, it's really stressful <laughs> because it's uh, something that is not solid. 
it's really a risky investment, but of course I do recommend for people, for companies, individuals, etc., if they can use an influencer uh, deal to, to promote their company or service or brand, of course it's a, it's a great asset if you can have someone very influential with uh, a decent amount of followers, but also qualified followers, you know, that are matching your mm -hmm. strategy. It is very powerful, of course, to associate your brand to some, it's very risky because you know, mm -hmm. that's the first thing you, you learn at uh, public relations and marketing school where you associate your brand with a human being. This person can commit mistakes. So if this person is just, you know, being at some point in a, in a, in a scandal, uh, then it can hurt your brand mm -hmm. if you're getting too close to it. And some, and, but if they are doing everything great and even, you know, being lucky or great people or whatever, then your, your deal is very worthy. Uh, of course. Hmm. I wonder if Ron Jeremy was anybody's influencer. Yeah, probably. We all have our circles of influences, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. There is always a potential. There is always a segment. There is always some way to, to, to use more influencer marketing. It's just that it's very stressful because it's hard to quantify, to analyze. The KPI are, are really unclear and, and very hard to predict. So it's, uh, you know, I love that for me, the, best case uh, was the fire festival it's an amazing mm -hmm. story you know using influencer <laughs> marketing and right. we have some old influencers the first influencer for me was paris hilton the way she mm. she used her image and the way she didn't make anything she she was just using her her background and name and and behavior etc to to create her brand so that's typically mm -hmm. an influencer case i walked past baron hilton in a hallway once at a hilton hotel just to let you know Nice. So, yeah. See, I'm somebody. Her. <laughs> she, she's so. She makes me laugh a lot. She's very yeah. funny. Yeah. She's uh, she's quite good at what she does. What does she do? Oh, I yeah, she must be out. very interesting. Yeah. yeah so yeah, how yeah. do you, so how do you pick the right influencer then? Let's say you're a, you've got a, a client who wants a, a high level influencer. What steps do you go through to make sure you're you know, you've picked the right person? Oh, I don't want to promote anyone, but just, you know, I, I, it's easier if we put names on it. I, I'm not a big fan of doing this because it's free promotion. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> like to promote anyone for free. But a part of friendship, a part of partnerships, uh, I would like to take two examples. Um, if, for example, you want your market, you need to, companies need to be more organized. This is a fact that mm -hmm. uh, people come to us to do social media, but they, are in, they didn't take care of the base. And right. social media marketing, there is the word marketing in it, so it relies on data and market studies, and it's very mm -hmm. old-fashioned in this, in this way. Right. So you need to identify what is your market, what, is your, what are your segments, who is your core target, who is your competition, etc. your pricing, your branding, the mapping of your values, etc. It's very basic, and this, people can find it in, online for free in books, etc., Philip yeah. Kotler, uh, God of Marketing, a lot of books about that. So first okay. of all, if, for example, let's say your product is uh, lingerie and uh, your core target are women uh, between women with a, a power of acquisition. So let's say a high power of acquisition, let's say a, mm -hmm. a, a top brand, you know, high quality, etc. lingerie for the European market. Mm -hmm. uh, that you want to sell over Western Europe primarily, um, I would definitely run with no doubt to Texas Patty. 
uh, German mm. porn star based in yeah. LA between yeah. California yeah. and Europe. Yes. yes. And uh, yeah, for me, she is one of the, uh, she's an iconic influencer because yeah. she, she her gathers. And pa- her and everything. Patrick, her husband are outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are. They are really professional. So that's, of course, yeah. the main thing you want to find about an influencer because you don't want to give money or or um, sponsor anything with somebody that is not stable, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. someone that is not fair or transparent, etc. And she has these qualities about being organized about her business, etc. She is an established Mm -hmm. brand. And uh, she totally fits in these. So she when you have your elements of marketing, when you know who you want to reach, she just, you know, fit in because she has this double culture between the US and Western Europe. And she's an established brand. She's very sensual. She's very beautiful. Yeah, production is uh, sustainable. So, you know, it's all about making match between a match between the offer and the demon. Same if you are like we, a sex toy, a fetish mm-hmm. sex toy, uh, kind of hardcore, a fuck machine. We had this client that they they, they <laughs> had a, uh, this machine that where you can fuck yourself, you know. And I've always, uh, wa- I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's mainly for vaginal and anal sex. So I don't uh, know about your private life. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe Maybe not. I mean, you should try it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I don't, no, I don't think so. You go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, typically I would run to uh, someone with a, a big audience in fetish, someone very empowered, someone very vocal about, mm-hmm. you know, enjoying this. So uh, a porn star would be the best. Uh, for fetish, I, I like to, I know that there is a big market and different segments, but I like to test first with the gay market because uh, mm. Historically speaking, higher power of acquisition plus uh, uh, behavioral tendency of testing more products, a little bit less afraid of new stuff. Um, so yeah, I would run to Dominic Pacifico, gay porn star and mm-hmm. director based in LA in Vegas, uh, yeah. because he has a lot of productions about that. You know, he has a, his only fans, his productions. His, so it's all about analyzing your market, what you want to do with your product, who you want to reach, and see who has the tools. To, to, to do that. And for, for this, you can check the person on social media because they are, sure. it's public. They, they are showing everything they're doing. So you can see if this person has a Pornhub channel, if this person has who the followers are because you can click on followers and you can see if they are only, you know, people that are not relevant for your business. Mm-hmm. Well, then mm-hmm. it's not a good influencer. Right, right. How, when you just mentioned followers and it brought about a question, that seems to be so important to some people and they actually go out and buy followers. Do you think that's a good idea? It's a terrible idea. It's um, hmm. for, for me, so many reasons. Uh, the, the first reason is that it hurts your business. For example, uh, my Instagram account, I have a large amount of followers more than of I course should. You do. Because, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no. But see, that's why it's very interesting because I am absolutely not that interesting. I have oh, like uh, 10K followers or something. I am not entertaining these people and we can tell by the likes. So sometimes I just want to tell them, please, and follow me because for the algorithm, it's a bad thing. Uh, really? Each platform, how when so? You analyze how so? Because if, if the platform sees that you have so many people that are following you, but not a lot of people that are liking you, it means that what you're producing, what you're posting is not interesting. So hmm. Just like in my case, because I am personal friend of uh, some influential people in our industry and and beautiful porn stars and creative people, their Mm -hmm. fans, uh, when they're posting in their stuff and tagging me or in the stories of when we are traveling or having 
private moment in our private lives, people are just uh, thinking that they will get more information about these people by following me. But at the same time, they're following you, the sure. Content. Yeah. So, so the discrepancy between the follower, the followers, and the, the likes is bad because the algorithm is just saying that okay, this this person might have been interesting at some point, but now what she's doing, it's not interesting. <laughs> So mm. buying fake followers is not helping you. Plus, it uh, completely messed up your your stats because you don't know at the end who is really here on your account for you. If you're reaching yeah. new amount, if you you don't know who is real or not, uh, yeah. and also it's clearly a vanity issue. It's something that <laughs> requires therapy for sure. It's you know you can, because this is business and your company. If you're selling. I always take this example of this bakery in my neighborhood. If we are 200,000 people in my neighborhood, why would they want a million followers? Because people <laughs> are not coming from another city or another country just to buy bread, you know? Yeah. So people need to, to calm down. And it's normal if somebody like a Kardashian, they have a lot of amount of followers because their, their visibility is way higher. Now, yeah. if you are a very niche product, if you are, um, let's say... I don't know, a, a fetish that is very a small community. Let's say food fetish. It's not even a small community. It's, a, it's one of the biggest fetish. If you're a, mm -hmm. a food fetish, well, you only talk to a certain amount of people, you know, sure. a certain percentage of the people that have this fetish. So you cannot expect to get 100% of the, of the main sex activity followers. You will only sure. have the people with this fetish, interested in this fetish. So the numbers, people need to, to put away their, their vanity and their pathological need to be liked <laughs> uh, to, to really face the reality and the numbers to, to review it, you know? Yeah. If you have yeah. a thousand followers, oh my God, that's a lot of people. Can you imagine a thousand followers? Uh, it's already a lot. Yeah. But by, by the I mean, way, that bakery, how, by the way, at that bakery, how good's the bread? Really good. So expensive. Well, but well then maybe, <laughs> when maybe I'll follow them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the, the account. They make me a discount if I do their marketing. No, yeah, uh, it's, um, but but see, it's it's really impressive because people have yeah. has lost they have lost track of, of this all. It's common yeah. sense, it's obvious, but they get their ambition and their their need to be liked and loved. Sure, uh, getting ahead. It's it's a real problem we see with social media that it came to our life and and it developed this anxiety and this need for people to be liked and received. You know, but it's it's sure. totally uh, explained. I mean. You know, my, my specialty is neuromarketing. And, and when you receive a like, for example, your brain is receiving uh, a happiness hormone that yeah. is triggering your brain. And it, it lasts uh, 16 minutes in average. And it's the mm. same area of your brain that is um, activated just like when you eat chocolate or when you have sex. So Ooh. when you stop receiving like, you have a drop, you have a drop of hormones so it makes you feel a bit bad you know that it stopped it's, mm -hmm. it, it's a craving that you want more and more sure. so it's human it's just that people need to educate themselves about it yeah so now there are many choices these days for social media management obviously talk a mm -hmm. little bit about what seven veils offers clients in the adult space and why someone should choose you over other companies and consultants when um a, a company or an individual is looking for help uh, and assistance on social media, of course, they need to, to check exactly what their needs are. We have many people that are reaching out because they want public relations and mm -hmm. we don't do public relations. We can advise sure. and, and help with some tips. 
but it's right. not the, the activity that we want to focus on because we really want to dedicate mm -hmm. ourselves to social media. So mm -hmm. first of all, make sure that your needs are only about social media. Of course, you can find some companies that are offering a little bit of everything, you know? Sure. Uh, but in this case, they won't dedicate the same amount of hours and human resources to that. Seven Veils is only focusing on social media. So even if we have a, a, a part of consultants and consultancy, it's all oriented to strategies that are uh, using the tools provided by social media platforms. Uh, so, so that's the first step to, to understand what your business is in need for. Uh, what mm -hmm. do you have? If you have the, the material and the content necessary to, to perform on social media, uh, what we focus on is really uh, white hats. So we do everything organic. We don't do any kind of um, cloaking or any techniques like mm -hmm. that. So it's interesting if you want to explore that, for example, to check with another company. Uh, mm -hmm. And for us, it's really about uh, customer service through DMs, uh, social, um, branding and social values, sharing the post and the traffic generation, but again, organic. So it's all about the clicks, the links in the bios, the, uh, the, the SEO, uh, etc. So that's okay. uh, what we do. And uh, But the strength, in my opinion, of Seven Veils is that we are a whole team. So we all have different um, skills and specialties that we can sure. uh, you know, put together and to take the best aspects of it. The fact that you have sex educators, uh, marketers, psychologists, sex workers, uh, it, it's a lot of, and business people, it's, it's a good mix, in my opinion, to give your brand a full uh, identity on social media. That's awesome. So it's been over a year since, since we spoke. What's new over there? Over where? <laughs> Seven veils. Oh, uh, well, things are, you know, um, somehow the same <laughs> because uh, we're the, okay. the business... Our business didn't change that much. What changed, uh, it's the, the context, as I was saying, you know, more tools. Mm -hmm. So we always uh, try to figure out what is the best way to deliver the message and to make this right. kind of packaging about how to deliver your message to your audience. Uh, so it's more mm -hmm. about adapting, but the core business is still the same because when Lauren started the business, she was really, she had a good vision of it because she knew that social media would really take more importance and it did, it grew. So we still work the same. We, we uh, you know, organic way, uh, engagement, mm -hmm. posting, analyzing, mm -hmm. reporting, uh, how it's about entertaining, educating, you know, and exciting your audience uh, to, to make that. So it's really interesting. It's, the days mm -hmm. are really short. <laughs> <laughs> so you used to be at every single show I can think of. Now with... Uh, the last couple of years, shows being canceled during the pandemic. You've been home in Brazil. How has your life changed during this time? It was hard. Uh, the pandemic affected us all in, in different ways, uh, business-wise and, and at a personal level, too. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a little bit of a, of a hard time. You know, it's just like if you're running and all of a sudden you have to stop, you need to, to figure out, okay, the, to calm the body and stuff. So... It's a whole situation. Um, it's a tragedy, of course, this pandemic. Uh, so many deaths. Oh, yes. uh, it's awful. On, on, sure. on a side note, what it forced it, me to do is that at a personal level, uh, it was more about self-care, you know, uh, stupid things, details like going to the dentist, something that I 
every time that I was going to the dentist with the shows, it was more an emergency thing. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to start doing this, but I need to travel somewhere. So mm-hmm. I, it was always in a rush. Now you can take time to take care of yourself, you know, your growth, your personal development, uh, medical, uh, everything. You can you have more time at at, at home. So yeah. I could finally unbox. You know, it's it's weird and funny, but. In March two years ago, I was opening boxes that I had from Asia that I was that I was keeping from two years that I didn't have open. I was like, oh yeah, this book I I didn't read it yet. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. weird. Well, you live in a really cool place, as do I. You know, you're in Copacabana <laughs> Beach for God's sakes. I mean, it must have been it must be pretty cool to be there and and to be able to do a lot of the nice things you can do there. Yes, sometimes, well, when you're used to it, you don't measure your how lucky you are. But of course, when I talk to other friends that are living in, in, in different parts, each city, each place has a great thing, you know? Like when mm-hmm. I hear people from Western Europe, they're like, oh my God, you live in a safe place and people are more respectful. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, yeah. that should be interesting. But everything is, um, not that I think that I live in a better place, it's just that it's a better fit for me, for my personal uh, taste. Sure. Uh, so sometimes you're, you're very into it and you're not seeing how lucky you are. But when I talk to my friends living in different countries, I, yeah, I, I think that for, of course, for me walking on the beach every morning and, and doing exercise, uh, there mm-hmm. it's, uh, yep. of course it makes like it a little me, bit yeah. sweet, but yeah. now on the contrary is, yeah, during the pandemic, it's cool that we can still, you know, enjoy such a beautiful landscape, etc. But on the other side, for example, the government, uh, didn't make a good job at the, the containment yeah. or information right. we are one of the worst uh or i want i was about to say organized <laughs> but it's not organized at all and exactly. the good thing is that the population is aware of that but otherwise yeah we live in a beautiful place but the current government is a big issue yep we got rid of our trump you didn't um so um <laughs> Last question, how much are you looking forward to getting back to the shows this year and seeing people? I really wanted to to to, to say that the virtual shows were working, but, <laughs> but the reality yeah. is we need to get back in uh, as soon as it's safe enough um, in presential shows. And I, I, yeah. I was wrong. I thought that we could do everything virtual, but it's uh, clearly the facts are here. The situation is that you can keep in touch with people online, but a, sure. a human real contact uh, is very interesting and very important for mm-hmm. business. And on the personal side, well, I miss my friends a lot, just like everyone else, I guess. Yeah. So I am, I'm very eager. And I think the next show should be Vegas in January 2022 for Internext. Yeah. Yes, so as we, as, yes, as we record this in November, at the end of November, yes. <laughs> so yeah, you I, did I, it again, I, Alex. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always back to the future thing. <laughs> no, but always I'm, back to the future. Well, I'm. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And uh, me too. Really. I miss the hugs. I miss the hugs. Uh, I don't I miss, miss the hugs. <laughs> On that, I'm with Stuart. Don't hug me. <laughs> but well, I'm I do give, miss. Well, I'm going to give you a hug. God damn it! Is that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> But I do miss the talk and, you know, even the small talks yeah. in the elevator, something that, yeah. can, you know, it's yeah. very stimulating for creativity and yep. for friendship. I like that. It's our family. It's our family. It is. It is. It definitely is. Well, Alex, I'd like to thank you for being back again today thank on Adults Like Broker you, Talk. Thank you. And I know we'll get a chance to do it again soon. Thanks a lot, Bruce. My broker tip today is part four of how to buy a website. 
Last week, we discussed making an offer and deciding the best price for the site you're buying. Once you've made your offer, the work begins. If you're working with a broker, like say, oh, I don't know, adult site broker, we handle the negotiation for you. Let's say the seller doesn't accept your offer. They may make a counteroffer. If you decide that you're willing to pay more, you can either accept their counteroffer or counter back to them. A good rule of thumb is to always leave room to negotiate. So don't make an offer that's the absolute most you're willing to pay. If you do that, then you have nowhere to go if the owner counters your offer. Once the owner and you have come to a deal, then it's time to do some due diligence beyond what it is you've already done. During the initial process of looking at the site, you should have asked some questions. Like in the case of a pay site, how many joins and rebills there are per day, and any other pertinent questions. During due diligence, you need to make sure everything is where you need it to be technically to integrate it with what you're already doing. You may even get your developer involved if you're not tech savvy. You and or your developer should ask those pertinent questions. Once those are answered to your satisfaction, you should either have the seller or yourself draw up a sales agreement. I always tell my clients to do the agreement. Why? Because that way you can dictate the terms. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, you can make the rules. But just be ready to have the seller's attorney change some of those rules. Nothing is final until everything is signed off on. Another thing we do for our clients is a letter of intent prior to the sales agreement being done. This gives your attorney a roadmap for the agreement. The letter of intent, and more so the agreement, will have all of the terms involved, including who pays for everything. Who pays for escrow, for instance? This can be paid by the seller or the buyer or split between both parties. We'll talk about the subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Norman Jean of Junk Productions. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Alex LeConte. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.